Welcome, everyone, to episode 192 of Some Like It, Scott. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Shelton, and on this week's episode, we're feeling a need, a need for speed as we review a 36-year-in-the-making sequel, Top Gun Maverick. Before we get to that, with me, as always, I have my co-host, Scott Harvey. Scott, on this fine Memorial Day, how are you? I'm doing uh, great, Scott. There's been a lot going on in my life over the past few days. Not really at liberty to talk about um, some of that stuff yet, but all will be revealed soon for uh, dedicated listeners of the pod. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it has been a, a great weekend. And right in the middle of that weekend on Saturday was um, going to see this movie with my dad, which, um, it, you know, it's it's the dad movie of the year, probably. So I think that was a it was cool that I got to have yeah. that uh, experience going with him. He's a fan of the original film and uh, owned it on VHS, I believe. So, do you walk um, out of the theater and sign immediately? Sign up for the U.S. Navy? No, I did. I didn't. Um, amazingly enough, actually, no, I did. You know, that was actually the life development I was yeah, uh, alluding to. But um, yeah, I believe you're you spoiled it. Now, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Anyway, but yeah. anchors away, everyone. Um, no, it was. Uh, it was a. A good weekend. Always like having the extra day off now. Here on Monday, we're recording and chilling, and it's uh, it's all good. Nice. Yeah, I was really. I gave you an opportunity. You you decide. You declined it, and I gave you the opportunity to say, "I'm great." Um, you do the whole hangman thing oh, when yeah. Uh, yeah. when Rooster asks him how how he is. Um, but you know, it's okay. We'll get to that in a second. Don't I, worry I don't, about it. I don't have Glenn Powell's charisma. I can't just pull off a simple line like I'm great and make it like a catchphrase like he can. Yeah, I mean, he said some other things after it as well that you know, I don't know if we can actually repeat on the podcast. I, I mean, I don't I, I don't think it's that bad, actually. But um, no, it's people people who uh, who are listening who have seen the movie will know what we're talking about. And Glenn Powell was at my screening on Thursday night when I saw this for the first time. He and was it Danny Ramirez? I can't remember one of the I think it was Danny Ramirez. Is that his name? Danny Ramirez, yes, fanboy, um, okay. was also at the screening that I went to Thursday night. I, I guess they were just like jetting Glenn Powell all over the country this weekend because like the, like the next day he was at the Chinese theater in L.A. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> introducing the movie. So he was he was everywhere or just New star. York and L.A. Um, guess he's not busy, so he can just do do that. But uh, yeah, Glenn Powell was there. It was cool. Um, you know, he's awesome. I would recommend any and all Glenn Powell movies that you come across. Um, Jay, who I saw this movie with, friend of the pod, Jay, uh, is now a fan of Glenn Powell. So I'll have to have him over and force him to watch Everybody Wants Some. Uh, yeah. Sometime I mean, that's soon. Natural next step. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And then if you like Glenn Powell flying planes, he's also in another flying planes movie later this year called Devotion. Um which is hilarious. But anyway, that's not the topic of our conversation today. As I already mentioned, the focus of this week's episode is Top Gun Maverick, directed by Joseph Kaczynski and featuring Tom Cruise reprising his role as the now titular Maverick. Top Gun Maverick picks up some three decades after the first film, and Pete Maverick Mitchell has dodged promotion after promotion within the ranks of the U.S. Navy that would see him grounded. The man wants to fly, and he's remained a test pilot, leading the Dark Star program to build a hypersonic scramjet. When that program is set to be shut down, Maverick is given only one option. Return to Top Gun at the behest of his old friend and former rival, now Admiral Tom Iceman Kazansky, played by Val Kilmer, or retire. Maverick's role at Top Gun isn't straightforward, however, as he's tasked with teaching a cohort of elite hotshot F-18 pilots 
assembled by Vice Admiral Bo Cyclone Simpson, a.k.a. Air Boss, played by John Hamm, to run a stealth bombing mission of a uranium enrichment facility requiring a feat of flight that seems like a mission that some might say is impossible. Of course, it gets more complicated because among these Top Gun graduates is Lieutenant Bradley Rooster Bradshaw, played by Miles Teller, the son of Maverick's late best friend and RIO, Nick Goose Bradshaw, and whose history with Mav is rocky at best in the last three decades. They and the other rival pilots, including Hangman, the aforementioned Glenn Powell, Phoenix, played by Monica Barbaro, Bob, played by Lewis Pullman, and many more, will have to put their animosity behind them, however, to survive this mission. So, Scott, did Top Gun Maverick leave you feeling like you just buzzed a tower, or does the record-breaking ticket sales of $156 million for Memorial Day weekend release not quite match the jet wash this film left you in? So I had never seen the original Top Gun either until a couple of weeks ago. Of course, I knew this movie was coming out so that I should probably watch it. Um, it's not that good, Scott. Uh, it's not a very good movie. Um, I, I think it is a product of its time, very, very much so. Um, you know, it was obviously a very big deal at, you know, when it came out in 1985 and uh, 1986. And a lot of people have nostalgia for it nowadays, but... I can't imagine that there are a lot of people in the last, you know, few years who have come to Top Gun for the first time. And now it's one of their favorite movies. The movie just doesn't really hold up for me. Um, I didn't really find the characters that interesting outside of Tom Cruise, who I think, you know, just walks on the screen. And for, for me, at least, uh, you know, I'm a fan of him and his character. Um, he is my favorite actor, as I've said before. Um, other than that, I, I didn't find it to be a super engaging movie. You know, there was there's good action. There's good flight scenes, which you'd expect from a Tony Scott film. But it was also kind of boring uh, because I didn't really care about the characters. Um, and there was so much hype around this movie. Uh, you know, after watching the first one, I was like, I mean, how good could it possibly be? Uh, and the answer, Scott, is it is very, very good. Um, it very much improves on the the first film. Um, and, you know, should go down as one of the, the great greatest sequels in, in the ter in terms of improving on the first movie. Like uh, yeah. the, the gulf in quality is pretty, pretty uh, substantial. But enough about the first movie, um, although this movie certainly has a lot of references to it. Um, this is just a thrilling summer blockbuster. You know, we talk all the time about you know, some smaller films, some independent films, some art house, whatever, you know, those are the movies that often top our list at the end of the years, the prestige movies. Um, but these types of movies like Top Gun Maverick, when they succeed, when they are, you know, of a high quality are like the types of movies, which just remind you why you love movies the most, because it's the great theatrical experience. It's a spectacle. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's exactly yeah. the type of thing that, movies were made for um and that more than anything i think is really the highlight of of top gun maverick is getting to have that experience for what feels like the first time in a while i mean sure sure there have been other blockbusters last summer i have to say was pretty disappointing as far as um blockbusters go um you know maybe going back to tenant which was you know a lot of fun during the the pandemic to go see that on the big screen dune maybe was the one exception last year as well not a summer um, blockbuster though yeah that's true but in terms of you know it, it very easily could have been i guess it has that sure. feel to it but um I, even even those you know movies 
weren't quite the experience that that this one was. I mean, legitimately during the third act of this movie, like there was a part where I pumped my fist. Like in, you and everyone else in the theater. Well, involuntarily, yeah. like I, it's not even something that I would like normally do, but it just like it just happened uh, because that's the kind of movie it is. You just get really sucked in. And um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it's no secret that the secret sauce, I think, is Tom Cruise, right? Like you look at the best blockbusters like we're talking about here of the last 10 years, you look at Edge of Tomorrow, you look at Mission Impossible 5 and 6, you look at this movie they all have him in the movie, right? He's the one consistent there. I guess, you know, Christopher McClory, he did produce this film. He did direct the um, the last two Mission Impossible films. But, he, you know. He has, Tom, he has a writing credit on this film. He didn't just produce this movie. He oh, okay. I thought he only produced it. But anyway, I think, you know, of course, the, the number one reason for, um, number, number one consistent thing across all these movies and probably the reason for their success is Tom Cruise. And it's funny, you know, uh, Paul Schrader, known for his great Facebook posts, had a post after going to see this movie where he's like, I basically don't know how Tom Cruise does it. Like, I can't really tell you like anything about his character or why we should like him, but you do. Um, and I think that's just, that's his power. Like, as that is, that is just movie stardom, like at its purest form. I saw somebody else saying the same thing recently about Mission Impossible. Like, You've, we've had six Mission Impossible movies. He's like, I don't know if I could tell you a single trait of Ethan Hunt as a character, but he's a great character, right? You love the character because yeah. it's played by Tom Cruise. The trait uh, of the character, Scott, is that he's Tom Cruise. That's, that's yeah, the trait exactly. of the character. Exactly. You just, you know, sometimes you just have to not overthink it. And that is just, that is what movie stars do, right? They make you forget about all the other stuff. And Tom and, Cruise and I think, is, And I think like there's only a handful of people that are even capable of that. Yeah. I think in, in movies like Brad Pitt maybe is another one. Denzel Leo. Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Denzel. Although not even as much these days, I feel like that's sort of like Denzel of a, a decade or two ago, but yeah. Yeah. That's probably too. Maybe just the movie movies he's choosing nowadays as well. Um, not as high profile, but yeah, I mean, so, so you start, you know, you start with Tom Cruise and he's, you know, you're, you are almost, always going to have a successful movie. I mean, another tweet that was going around was name a bad movie that Tom Cruise has been in. And yeah, there have been a few. I mean, we just I just mentioned one, the first Top Gun. But um, well, I mean, I guess, ironically, would would you say that I mean, the mummy, right? But we'll leave that one aside. Mm -hmm. But like, would you say the other movie that he did with Joseph Kaczynski is a bad movie? Oblivion? I haven't seen no, it. I, think, so I haven't I seen know. it. But uh, some people I mean, a, a fair amount of movie, people will stand up for that movie, I think like I, what it didn't, you know, blow up like the other movies I mentioned. But I think I think it's, you know, enjoyed by movie fans. But it, it's um, just, I think the biggest point was it's just very generic sci fi. Is that what the complaint but it's is? Not, maybe it's not bad, though, is the thing. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. In terms of like making a bad movie, there's probably only a few like his hit rate is is as high oh, as so high especially in the um, last especially recently yeah yeah since, um, since top gun his hit rate's pretty nuclear i think <laughs> yeah and you know again i say this as somebody who wasn't even a fan of the first movie and there's plenty of nostalgia for the first uh movie in here so if you are a fan of the first movie you're going to get a lot out of it too but again i think that's just the the power of the movie that joseph kaczynski put out here is that you know, by the end of the movie, I was like, man, maybe I actually really liked the first Top Gun uh, because I, you know, was pretty emotionally stirred 
not you know towards the end of the movie that's the thing it has it has heart that is you know what really i think takes the movie to the next level it is not just a great spectacle it has a lot of heart to it that i didn't i mean it was there in the first movie but like i didn't connect with it like i did in in this movie um and i don't know if i could point to a specific reason why i just think it's a better movie better writing you know more engaging characters um which obviously you have to give credit to the new cast as well specifically Miles Teller and Glenn Powell, who are, you know, two young actors that I've been a fan of for, you know, years now and who I've always thought, you know, were sort of on the cusp of stardom. You know, Miles Teller went away for a bit. Um, he some personal stuff with him that is, you know, a little questionable, but um, it was nice to see him back in a big profile project here. And, um, you know, he didn't really miss a beat from when we last saw him in a movie of significance. So. Um, yeah, it's 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 just a great time. Uh, you're gonna cheer. You're gonna you know laugh. You may tear up. Like it has you know everything you want in a big summer movie for the most part. Um, but most of all, it has Tom Cruise, uh, and you know that is that alone. I think is is such a big plus, and it helps the movie to overcome the familiarity. Like let's let's be honest here. This movie's borrowing from a lot of other films, like the opening scene of the movie is a great scene, but it was also great in 1983 when it was the opening scene of The Right Stuff with Chuck Yeager trying to break, uh, break the uh, speed of sound, break the sound barrier. It's the exact, I mean, it's almost the exact same scene as the first scene of this movie where Tom Cruise is trying to get to Mach 10 in his plane. Um, but it works. You get wrapped up. In, and then, you know, you mentioned like Mission Impossible, like when they're like have the diagram of the you oh, know mission that they're trying just to complete. A like that is movie, Scott. you're it's watching a, a Mission Impossible movie at that point. Tom Cruise found an excuse to make like a spinoff of Mission Impossible yeah. in Top Gun sequel. The actual mission itself is like Star Wars. Like it is literally like oh, the totally, Death Star yeah. trench run. Like, yeah. um, so it's borrowing from so many other blockbusters and stuff, but you just don't care. Like you just don't even really think about that stuff. Cause the movie just has such, such energy and good vibes. Uh, I did hear someone yeah, literally compare it to the force awakens as a film. Um, yeah. I mean, it, I think, I think it's hard not to, I mean, there'd been so many of these like legacy sequels now. Right. But maybe the force awakens was kind of like, the one that kicked it off or, you know, at least I would say probably the best example um, of a legacy sequel so far in terms of a movie that has a lot of nostalgia for the past, but also wants to move things forward with new characters and new storylines and everything. So it's probably a good jumping off point, but I think it's just in general, it just, it, it has the same traits as a lot of legacy sequels. I mean, we just saw one with Scream this year that you could describe sure. as a, a legacy. Sequel I mean, I think, yeah, sure. I mean, I think there were legacy sequels before, the force awakens like friday the 13th back like a decade ago or whatever probably was one of the first okay yeah i i don't even know I, i've never even seen that one so i don't know exactly what goes on there but yeah that's that could you could very well be right about that but um yeah, yeah I, I mean either, I, but... again i think um force awakens might just be the the biggest profile it's an easy one to point to that's it's an sure. easy one to point to yeah yeah but so, anyway top gun maverick it's a blast absolutely go and see this movie on the biggest screen that you can find so many people have already go see it you're gonna love it i guarantee it and you're gonna go one probably want to go back and see it again i know i do yeah i mean ditto scott this film i watched the first top gun a couple days ago 
before I, I guess like a week before I watched it uh, before this. Yeah, I think I, I think I watched it last weekend. Um, had the same reaction. I was like, man, like this was cool. I get why people were like into it in the 80s. But like there's just nothing going on in this movie outside of, you know, what it's famous for. Which is fine. There's a, <laughs> doesn't have to be anything wrong with that. I think people love it for that um, and sort of love it in spite of the rest of the film, right? Which is totally yeah. fine. I have movies for me that are like that. But it really is a it's a different recipe, I think, when you're talking about Top Gun Maverick. the You take basically everything out of the first film that is really good. I'd say you make it even better. And then you add in this and then you replace the stuff that was bad with stuff that was at least serviceable, if not good, as well. I think the whole Jennifer Connelly, who we, you know, we've managed to talk for like 20 minutes almost and not talk about Jennifer Connelly yet. She's good. Yet. Um, she's, she's serviceable. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is the weakest part of the movie for me uh, because who cares? <laughs> but it's better than Kelly McGillis in the first one, that's for sure. Um, I, I, I can only assume that a couple scenes in this film are making fun of how vapid. <laughs> things were in the first Top Gun movie um, because the whole yeah I mean the whole scene where it was mild spoilers I guess but when you know was it Penny Penny and yeah. Maverick finally like I guess get get together in this film like it's just it's like it's just making fun of it right like that that whole scene is making fun of the, the I mean they don't scene, even right? they act like Charlie which was Kelly McGillis's character like does not even exist like she's never referenced you never see a yeah. picture of her or anything Kelly McGillis was not asked to return for the film. Now, there are some reasons for that. If you sure, yeah, yeah, go it's and, not, go not the only reason. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's it's probably probably you know we laugh about it. It's kind of it's kind of sad, honestly, what the ultimate reasons for it are. Um, but yeah, it is kind of wild that they just like that. Just was such a big. It's a it's such a big part of the first movie, and it's just like it doesn't exist. Um, but yeah, uh, do you want to just go ahead? I mean, I feel like most of our listeners are not going to understand why Kelly McGillis isn't. Well, Kelly McGillis um, it does not look like Kelly McGillis did 40 years ago. Let me put it that way. When the original Top Gun came out, you probably would not recognize her nowadays. Um, and so I think because she no longer looks like, um, you know, a movie star or. I mean, just to, to say it, she probably doesn't look like somebody that you could you would match with Tom Cruise and, a you know, big budget summer movie and she literally has said this as well that um i wasn't asked to return it's probably because i'm old and i'm fat and you know that that those were her words um, yeah and i'm sure that unfortunately as unfortunate as it may be that did play a role in it i also think that she is not heterosexual i don't know if that had any um role in it as well but um, I don't really think that matters too much honestly yeah i mean it it, it shouldn't but again i don't think the other stuff should either but you know that that is not to go too far down that road but you know i think that is the ultimate reason why she was probably not asked back but you know at the very least they could have like thrown one line of exposition in yeah, there they could whatever. have referenced like, her i mean yeah it's a little harsh it's a little it, harsh. it's it's definitely a little harsh um look the character sucked in the first in the first film yeah. so it could have probably just left it at that uh granted they could have tried to give it another pass and and make it better but um they didn't, and you know, whatever. Uh, Jennifer Connelly is great. I mean, th that's the thing, right? Like Val, Val Kilmer, who is older than Tom Cruise, I understand that. But, like, 
uh, Tom Cruise just happens to not look like it's been 30 years. Like, yeah. Like everyone else that would be the same age in this movie looks ancient compared to him. He's like, he looks like he's still in his forties. It's crazy. Yeah. There are so many things about him that just, he seems almost not like a human being in so many ways. And one of them is, you know, what you've just mentioned there that the opening shot of him, like working on the plane, like could be the opening shot of the original top gun. Like you, you wouldn't even notice the difference because of how he looks. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a lot more bulky, if that makes sense. Like, he's much more muscular now than... I really noticed it, like, watching these almost back-to-back. Like, he's, yeah. like, a child <laughs> in the first one. He is small, um, and he's, like, bulked up significantly, I guess, just over the years with his different roles. I mean, honestly, probably starting with something like <sighs> Edge of Tomorrow, maybe. Maybe one of the, like, Mission Impossible 4. Like, I feel like that's when he started to get really more muscular. Um, and yeah, I watched roles. Minority Report the other night, he was still pretty wiry in that. So. Yeah, I mean, War of the Worlds, I think he was still pretty and like collateral, he's still mostly pretty wiry in those movies, but getting there. But he's like trended more muscular, I think, over time. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'd say he looks more muscular now than he, I mean, more so than even in I'm, Fallout. I mean, you, you gotta be to do some of the stuff he's doing on screen, like that's well, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the direction I wanted to go next with talking about, like. Scott, the this film is nuts. What they are doing in these movies is nuts. Like they're putting six IMAX cameras into these F-18 jets and flying them around actually at like eight eight Gs um of, of gravity. Like that Glenn Powell, when he was introducing the movie, insisted that like the G's were real, everything they did. Obviously, they're not flying the planes. Like Navy pilots are flying the planes. Just get that out of the way. Somebody asked me the other day if somebody if they were flying the planes, I'm like, there's no way these guys are flying these planes. There's just no way that Tom. I mean, Tom Cruise would want to, I'm sure, but there's yeah, that, that's there's not no the best way. example to use. Like yeah, Miles like, Teller, like, the, yeah, Miles Teller is not not you know, um, you know, riding riding. Well, Tom, here's the thing: Tom Cruise probably could fly the plane. He could not do the maneuvers that they exactly. are doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but they're in the like they are in the planes with these with the with these pilots. They are real shots. They're experiencing the real. Yeah, some of the some of the some of the stunts that they're doing in these movies, like real the real G force around that, um, it's just wild what they're doing in this in this movie. That's like the only way I can describe it to people. Um, yeah, and you know, people may forget, but like this movie was originally supposed to come out in 2019, three years. This ago. film was shot in 2018, and they delayed yeah. it because they weren't able to pull off some of the action scenes at the time, or like they needed more time basically to be able to pull off some of them. So yeah, they needed 50. I mean, it took a lot of time just to work with the Navy to fit the cameras into yeah. the cockpit. They took, they worked with them for 15 months to engineer a way to get the cameras into the cockpit um, without disrupting the, the rig. So it's pretty wild uh, what they did. I mean, yeah, Tom Cruise is great in this movie. It, you know, in, sp- in spite of my like more moralistic leanings, um, I also love Tom Cruise as an actor he's he is one of if not my favorite actor for sure in spite of just being a terrifying human being in real life i've just decided he's he's just he's a maniac um but like whatever man he's cool he's a cool actor um, yeah i mean he, he's done an incredible job of repairing his image over the last yeah. 15 years or so because yeah he was viewed as as such for a, you know a period there in like the early to mid 2000s i feel like and the post nicole kidman era was was rough yeah. for him it's still there. I mean, you know, obviously he's still part of the church and everything, but like, it's just, people just don't talk about it and instead yeah. talk about what an awesome actor and movie star he is. 
Yeah. And I mean, it's one of the reasons why he probably hasn't worked with as many big name filmmakers in the last 10 to 15 years is because he needs a lot of control and polish around his image in these movies. And I think that a, a lot of filmmakers probably don't want the lead in their movie to have that as have more control over the film than them. And I think that he's someone who wants that control for one of those reasons, which, you know, yeah, he has his guys now at this point. I mean, again, even yeah. Corey, we mentioned like is involved with this movie, even though he's not directing it. and in Kaczynski he's worked with before. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And like Doug, it sounds like Doug Lyman is going to be doing, you know, his next couple movies at, you know, outside of mission impossible with between if, if there is going to be an edge of tomorrow or live, die, repeat to whatever the hell that movie is called these days. Um, and then the space movie that they're doing to like direct Doug Lyman supposed to be directing the movie where Tom mm-hmm. Cruise is literally going to space to shoot a film. Um, so he he has his cohort of people, which is a bit of a shame because you're talking about like the best summer blockbusters of the last five years. A uh, little personally offended you left out Chris Nolan on the list of people who who put out big summer blockbusters. Um, sure. I know you did mention Tenet briefly, but uh, I would <laughs> I mean, my, my head would explode, Scott, if the two of them were together. I don't even know what I would do. Well, that's um, how I feel about it, him, him working with Tarantino, which people have been talking about too is like it, it needs to happen he's like the only movie star or whatever that like tarantino hasn't worked with at this point but i don't know if uh there's no what, way that's gonna happen to, to your point i don't know if uh if they would there's they would work well together I, I just don't know yeah and i think it's the reason why he's never going to work with someone like chris nolan or or tarantino because no matter no matter how big the stars of those movies are even within a movie like once upon a time in hollywood with brad pitt and leonardo dicaprio and margot robbie like tarantino is still tarantino movie yeah. is still the lead of the movie um for all intents and purposes like people go to it for tarantino for the most part um and i think that would be true of that's true of chris nolan too so that's why i don't think ultimately tom cruise would probably work too well with them just that like a you know off screen in an off screen manner all that's to say though it's totally fine. Tom Cruise can continue to make whatever movies he wants to. And apparently I'm just going to love them because yeah, he's just completely undefeated in the last, you know, six, seven years, which is pretty crazy. So he's awesome. We're going to talk about the mission impossible seven trailer, uh, in the news section today, but you know, Godspeed seriously, keep making stuff. But yeah, this basically is a mission impossible movie. I'd stand by that a hundred percent. Um, this is like, this is just a, this is just a mission impossible movie where, Rather than play, he's playing Ethan Hunt, he's playing a guy who flies jets. Like that's the, that's what he's doing in this movie, and it rocks. It absolutely rocks. Um, huge fan of this. Think they really hit all the right beats. They have enough uh, sort of tongue in cheek moments referencing the original film to really work for me. And like I said, all the stuff that was good about the first movie is even better in this. Like the beach scene or whatever. Like. It was like kind of funny and like 30 seconds long in the in the original film. It's like two minutes long, completely yeah. for no reason whatsoever that it's this long, but it's just a great time. Like watching the beach Ham- is just a great time. And John Hamm even comes up and is like, Why are they doing this? Like, shouldn't don't we have a mission to be because it's getting cool, John? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but he's building a team. He's building a team. Well, I mean, I don't even know what they're like playing some like two-way football. I don't even know, man. Yeah, it's like Never even heard of playing it. offense and defense at the same time or something like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. But who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter because yeah. it's cool. Um, so really great time. Thought the cast in this was was excellent, honestly. Um, really not that many notes for the cast. Um, Cruz is great. Miles Teller is, is good. Glenn Powell, Jennifer Connelly, John Hamm, all the way down the list. Really strong cast for me. Uh, characters were much more engaging. I cared about sort of all those sort of almost tertiary pilots 
um, you know, people like Payback and Bob and all these people who aren't sort of the primary cast. I think that that you get they have a charm about them that I just felt like didn't exist in the in the wider cast for like, you know, the, the original Top Gun. Like who? I mean, I don't even remember Iceman's R RIO's name, and like, who can't who cares? Who cares? No one cares about him. Yeah. Um, but like, I cared about Bob. <laughs> right like you know bob's a cool character yeah um so that's just kind of how i felt about the whole movie and the stunts are, are whack just just whack the bombing run is great like you're talking about like sort of like the involuntary fist fist pumps in the film like that was my entire theater both times like people just oh, yeah. just like almost out of their seats at different parts of the movie honestly it's like you're at a sports it's almost like you're at a sports event um at times and in many ways that's kind of exactly what it wants to be um in a, in a funny way but it worked really well scott we've talked about tom cruise i don't even know if we need to talk anymore about tom cruise um not, he's honestly. awesome i uh, yeah. can't wait to see him in more things so let's talk about the rest of the cast miles teller you mentioned that you really like him as rooster uh i think that you know if there was a character that you cared that i cared about in the original film besides maverick i think it would be goose um he sort of is that emotional point in the movie i don't know if it's it doesn't come full circle for me because again, I think that it, there's there's nothing much deeper than Goose than just like he's like his identity is is Maverick's cope like he's a wingman basically. Yeah. His, well, he's not his wingman. That's something different. But right, yeah, his yeah, co-pilot. Yeah. Um, that like that's his identity. That's his and you care about him in that sense, but you don't care about him as he, as like a human being, right? Like the whole even though you see his son and Meg Ryan as his wife in the movie, like you're like uh, you don't it doesn't quite get there. It's one scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in this film. You know, Rooster's a lot more than that. At least he was for me. And he, it sounds like you thought Miles Teller did a good job filling that role. But you want to speak a little bit more about it? Yeah, I mean, you know, he has a kind of a tough job because, like, Maverick, Tom Cruise, is our guy, right? He's the yeah. protagonist. He's the hero. And we, Rooster is also needs to be our guy, but he's standing opposed to Maverick for much of the movie because yeah. of... Um, you know, the impact that Maverick has had, not only with what happened with his father, but also that Maverick has tried to, we learned that he's tried to keep um, Rooster out of the Navy by pulling his application and setting him back for four years. Well, not his um, application, specifically to the Naval Academy. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and so he has to get, but he gives a very grounded performance so that we understand and can get on his level um of hey this was kind of not a not a right thing that Maverick did even though we still you know love Maverick and you know we are rooting for both of them to sort of overcome their past issues with each other um and you know to to be a team and bro out um which is yeah. definitely what happens uh in the third act of the movie so and Miles Teller just, I think he has just a lot of charm as an actor too. I mean, it's the reason that he, he has been tapped to be such a, um, you know, rising star since doing, you know, Whiplash and the Spectacular Now, um, you know, back almost 10 years ago, seven, eight years ago now. Um, I mean, I yeah, unfortunately he hasn't really been in anything that yeah. significant since then. I mean, he had those divergent movies, I guess. And he was, yeah. I mean, he and Joseph Kaczynski are bros now. Like he was in Only the Brave which was Kaczynski's last movie. And he's about mm -hmm. to be in Spiderhead, and, which comes out in a couple weeks. Yeah. And was reviewed well, but um, 
was not seen by a lot of people. Uh, only the brave, that is. But yeah, he's he's got, so he's got a lot of natural, you know, charisma too. Like it's the reason that he was tapped to, as being such a rising star. So um, I think he does a great job um, of of playing this character who you know, is not as expressive as everyone else. Like he, he had, he, he has to remain, you know, quiet and, um, meditative, uh, for, for some of the movie. Um, but we still like him. And then Glenn Powell, um, as hangman is also, you know, great. Uh, you know, again, you want to talk about like natural movie star energy. He definitely gives it off. Um, have been a fan of his since everybody wants some, you know, six years ago now. Um, and he gets the, you know, role that is perfect for him, I think. You know, he actually um, auditioned to play Rooster at first um, and did not get the part, uh, but was, you know, so charming and charismatic, I guess, that they were like, we, we need to have this guy in the movie, so we're going to make him a hangman. And, um, yeah, the role fits him perfectly. Like, he, he has that swag about him, um, but he's not, like, he's not as much of a... A D D back. Well, no, he, he is. Yeah, he is. I I, I yeah. go back. I, uh, you just like him I go more back than what I say. Yeah, you just like him because it's Glenn Powell. I think that's ultimately what it is. He just. But the the thing is, you feel something for him. I don't. And like, I he has way more. Ball. Sorry. Also, he has way more charisma than Val Kilmer. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, hate I don't to know say if that's it, controversial like, to say or not. But yeah, I know Val Kilmer is like you know is iconic, and I've liked Val Kilmer in plenty of movies. Um, but like he just this character just comes across more strongly than Iceman um does and you know he's he's trying to be the Iceman I guess of this movie like the role that his character fills but I think in more in terms of his performance he has like the cockiness and the everyone is saying this Scott I don't think I agree isn't he just Maverick isn't Hangman just Maverick yeah 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 no I mean he is but in terms of like his character's journey like he is he is Iceman, but yeah, no, that's, uh, that's kind of totally the point I'm going for is that his performance is much more reminiscent of a young cruise than it is a young Kilmer. I mean, that, that's the crazy thing, right? Like uh, there, I feel like I've seen all this discourse around like rooster is Maverick and hangman is Iceman. And I'm like, isn't it the other way around? Isn't it like kind of the opposite? <laughs> um, I thought I feel like I've just been losing my mind about that this weekend, but I've just I've, I'm I'm set now. I've convinced myself that my way is correct and everyone else is wrong. So that's yes. probably what it is. Um, <laughs> no, the, Miles Teller is great. Uh, I also think it's maybe just stupid to draw the comparison. I mean, I know that that there probably is some sort of like inspiration or whatever. There's scenes that are homages that where like I mean the, the end of the movie. I guess this is spoilers, or whatever. But like the handshake at the end of the movie or whatever is very reminiscent of the Maverick and Iceman handshake. At the end of the first one, and Rooster is very much Maverick in that situation, and Hangman is Iceman. But I feel like they're actual, if you look at everything else in the movie, it's like, not even, forget even the performances, like, Hangman is this cocky pilot who's like leaving his wingman and trying to showboat, basically, and prove how great he is, which is literally what Maverick is doing and why everyone hates him at Top Gun in the first movie. And then Rooster is like the super conservative, like trying to stick with the team kind of person. Like, don't don't showboat. Don't overdo it. Don't be cocky. Play it safe, Um, which is not quite exactly what Iceman is doing in the first movie. But it's closer to that than the other way around. Uh, Absolutely pointless debate um, that that I've seen. 
but I feel strongly about it and it's bothered me because so many people have been saying it. But yeah. overall, Rooster and Hangman are better characters um, than Iceman at all the supporting cast, in my opinion. Um, so that's why I kind of think it's just not even that important of a comparison. Um, and they're great. Like I loved that Glenn Powell got his moment in the end because ultimately after the first half of the film is it like, he's kind of sidelined yeah. for the second half of the movie. Uh, that last, was the fist pump moment third. for me though. Just, Oh, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Was wondering was when um, he saves the day. Yeah, it's great. I'm glad he got that moment. I really do. I mean, I say this after every movie, I feel like that is Glenn Powell in it, which granted hasn't been that many. To be fair, but I'll, I feel like I said it recently and when we did Apollo 10 and a half, and I'll say it again now. Like, I just hope that he takes off from this, you know, pun intended there. I really hope that this is a platform for him to to signal boost his career. I mean, maybe it's like trite to say it. He, he doesn't have like the career trajectory of someone like Tom Cruise. But like, I feel like he had he has the energy and the charisma to do something like Cruise has done in the latter half of his, of his career. And I just feel like he needs that platform to get there. I think I think this is going to be the platform. I mean, you know, this movie is has been huge, like at the box office, it's been massive. Um, it's such a bummer and, that it's delayed three years, like it's taken three years off his yeah, career, basically. Yeah. Um, but and a lot of people who are seeing it are speaking very, you know, complimentary of his performance. So um, I do think this. Yeah, it's it's been delayed a little bit, but I, I do think yeah. this is going to be the springing board for him into some, you know, something bigger and better, which is yeah. As for Miles Teller, it's um, I don't know if this will be a springboard, but I think it proves that he can do more than just, you know, the spectacular now and whiplash type dramas. Um, yes, again, he was in those divergent movies, but I think you'd be forgiven for forgetting that those movies even existed. Yeah. Um, so I think this is something that puts him firmly back on the page. And, you know, three weeks from now, he's going to be in a very different kind of movie directed by Joseph Kaczynski called Spiderhead. Um, which is more in that sort of drama department. So I think he's going to be able to really sort of land back on the scene of movies after five years of not really. I mean, I don't even think he was in a movie in the last five years um, between only the brave and Top Gun Maverick. I mean, granted like this, again, this movie was supposed to come out three years ago, so it's yeah. a bit different, but I don't think he's been, I don't think he's had a movie released in the last five years, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, some of it too was like pandemic and him, being who he is i guess probably uh <laughs> you know do your i guess come to your own conclusions i guess it doesn't it's not important to, for our conversation i guess is talking about his performance because it was yeah. strong um and i'm excited to see spiderhead um in a few weeks chris hemsworth and him and i think there's someone else in that movie that i'm forgetting as well but um i think they're the two leads in the film and that should be should be interesting Monica, I mean, there's the there's the wider stripping cast: Scott, Monica, Barbaro, Lewis Pullman, Danny Ramirez. Um, getting really deep down the list there. If you're going more than that, but there are people like Ed Harris, John Hamm, Jennifer Connelly, um, also in the cast. Any want to point out here, or you just want to say a dollar round of on? Yeah, I mean, everyone was good. Ed Harris was a really throwaway role. Hilarious, though. Joseph Kaczynski was talking about he included Ed Harris in the film because he really wanted to work with him once. <laughs> So Fair enough, Joe. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, again, even down to the people like Phoenix and Bob, like are they're still memorable characters. Like you, you know, yeah. they're they're an important part of what's and Bashir Salahuddin movie. Yeah, yeah, um, Hondo. He was, he was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I mean, but John Hamm was strong as well in the role of the, you know, 
we got to play it by the book. Yeah, I mean, his um, textbook role at this point. Yeah, uh, but I thought, you know, he was he was a good match for... Okay, Scott, I mean, like, Ashen, I feel like we just sort of, like, lost our minds for, like, 20 minutes already about the action in this. But let's, like, talk about the actual set piece. I mean, we talked about the action generally. The set piece is, like, the whole Mission Impossible-ness of it all. The sort of final act of this movie, final uh, second half. I don't know. It's, like, 50 minutes of the film is is the mission, more or less. Uh, Scott, I just found this, like, breathtaking action, to be honest. Like, just absolute, like, movies, man. Movies. Yeah, I mean, they do such a great job of contextualizing all of it, too. Like, you never are getting lost in what anybody is doing, right? Like, it's kind of a complicated mission. Uh, kind of like, again, exactly like Mission Impossible. It's like, if you stop and think about what, what why the are they doing this is? again? Like, I don't <laughs> even know that you can explain exactly what the end goal is or, you know, why they are trying to do what they are trying to do. But it's like, I know what they are supposed to do. Like, again, I know that they're flying, you know, below this level in the canyon. And like, I yeah. know that um, they have this much time to get to this point. And then the first group is going to drop the bomb and the second group is going to come behind and fire. And like, you know, it uh, it all they do such a great job of, you know, making it clear to you. And in terms of just watching the dogfights and everything going on, obviously, they're they're working with a lot of space and big uh you know planes and but you never get lost in the action and uh you know who's shooting at who and where everyone is and everything which i think is you know very important when you're shooting action on such a grand epic scale as they're clearly doing here so i think that's a real strong point yeah i mean the uh the practice run that tom cruise has that was oh, one of my yeah. favorite scenes for sure that was pretty electric when you know, Maverick's been kicked out, basically. Um, yeah. And he decides that he's got to show the team that they can do it. Um, and jumps behind the the cockpit and, uh, you know, runs the course in the, the amount of time. Um, that was an awesome scene. Well, like, um, not, not just runs the course in the amount of time, the two and a half minutes, but in the most Tom Cruise fashion of all, says... Put two fifteen on the clock. Two fifteen. He has yeah. to do it fifteen seconds faster. Mm -hmm. um, just new. Just what yeah. energy? So, so that was that was an awesome scene. And then obviously, you know, the climax of the movie. You know, I will say that I didn't love the part as much when they were like on land, like running around trying to escape the enemy. They don't stay there there very long after though. they crash landed. Yeah, I, it was a little like silly. I guess is what I'm saying. Like when. When Tom Cruise, like, after that, we both thought that they were dead, right? Like, it's this intense moment. And then we find out, you know, they're both alive. And, like, Tom Cruise runs up and, like, shoves him or whatever. And it's kind of like a moment of comic relief. I was like, I don't know that we really needed this moment here. Like, because it's so intense. Again, it's, like, it's serious. And you think that, like, these two characters who you really like have both just died. Um, you know, some people maybe will go for that moment of, of levity, but I don't know. It just kind of took me out of things for a second. Um, but I was back in by the time they got up in the plane. But if, you know, if I had to, if I had to, um, you know, point crit critique something, that would be that. That's one area where I, I wasn't as um, high on the film. But yeah, other than that, like all the stuff in the air is phenomenal. I mean, they were only on the ground for probably about five minutes of the movie, though. I mean, that's the good thing. They know that they're not going to spend much time on the ground. For the yeah, exact and the, the, you're the, talking about. 
the dialogue also between like the pilots and everything when they're in the air is like that it really that felt like the old top gun like it was it was uh the dialogue was pretty cheesy at times yeah, but like yeah, not yeah. in a way that like took me out of it again it was fun i thought it was a little bit better than the original top gun to be honest like i felt like i was like pulling my hair out sometimes yeah. in the original one i think it's a little bit better than that but it's definitely closer to that than maybe i would have wanted it if i were writing the script for the movie but uh i, yeah. I feel like people are also you know it's it's a cheesy like at the end of the day it's a cheesy movie right like yes it's serious they're doing they're doing big stunts with a capital b um but there's room for cheese i think i, I think it's not really to my taste necessarily but i also can understand why there's still a little bit of it in it um yeah yeah the I, I, some i feel like the the one part that i talk about because i feel like the first top gun movie is like ultimately just like a hangout film just like not but with characters you just like, don't care that much about this um, yeah the stakes feel very low maybe well, they're it, not because there low, are no yeah. stakes yeah yeah there's nothing there's no stakes at all in the film and it's just you're just hanging out top gun but like you don't really love any of the characters besides tom cruise so it's like kind of like the it's a recipe for a bad hangout film sure i think and one of the things that i liked about this is that even though the second half of the movie has a plot there are very high stakes the first half like there's a goal but like they're hanging out They're we're hanging out at top gun again with a bunch of characters that we actually like um like the training exercises where where tom uh, where maverick is like shooting shooting them all down or whatever like trying to get them to see if they can even catch it like that great scenes just hilarious yeah. stuff um really enjoyed that that element of it as well in addition to you know sort of the big set pieces at the end of the movie that are much more you know more traditionally up my alley if you will i think they're executed superbly i don't know if there's much more to say to be honest like it's it's all really excellent i think the last thing i want to talk about here and um, just because i couldn't help but think a lot about this uh especially in the first act of the movie when it's like super on the nose but the meta-ness of this film for like Tom Cruise as an actor, um, hilarious. Scott, I just couldn't help but I mean, everything with Ed Harris's character is just like so on the nose about like, is Tom Cruise like an aging type of actor that doesn't exist anymore and is deemed irrelevant because of streaming movies and no one cares yeah. about this about the theatrical experience anymore. Um, and you know, Ed Harris has come in to shut to ground Tom Cruise once and for all to to deem him irrelevant and to ship him off to, you know, a retirement home. And Tom is like, not today. <laughs> and then he gets one more opportunity to teach everyone how it's done. You know? Exactly. And, and he did. But he did. but my great. God, yeah. did he ever teach us how it's done? Yeah. Uh, he showed it was possible. And then he did it. it. It's just hilarious to me. I don't know if there's much more. I don't know if there's like much analysis to be done here, but. It's something I noticed and just thought it was like to to have the gall to like hit up your bro Chris Christopher McQuarrie and be like, my guy, why don't we put this in the script and and have a wink and a nod about it and just like to do it and then to make a movie that you're just like, yeah, buddy, you want this film and you want to go see this movie in a theater. It's just like crazy to, to like to be that arrogant and then have the have the the juice to actually deliver is pretty pretty epic, I'd say. Anything is possible with Zenu. Woo, all right. Now we got our signed <laughs> David Miscavige is listening to the podcast. Now he's gonna he's gonna have like the audio like scraper bots or whatever detect this and he's gonna come listen now. Um 
So that's nice. Any other thoughts about Top Gun Maverick before we wrap up? Great movie. Yeah, what a film. All right, favorite senior moment from Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, I, I liked the the practice run. Like I mentioned, was a really good scene. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of like humor, I thought when he drops down from the window and uh, Penny's daughter was standing there watching oh, him. So good. That yeah. was pretty funny. Um, it's just a great time overall. There weren't any scenes really that I didn't like. We didn't really talk about Iceman, you know, showing up for one scene. Uh, I, I kind of didn't want to just because of the spoilerness of it, but yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Go ahead. I think we've spoiled enough. But, but anyway, it wasn't one of my favorite scenes probably, but like it'll yeah. be a nice payoff for the people who, you know, were into that character. Yeah. On that note, at the funeral or whatever, when like... <laughs> everyone's like everyone's there like penny is there i'm like why the fuck is penny here <laughs> like what does she care about this guy <laughs> see ever has she ever yeah, even I met him? I, well yeah i don't know like it, there's there's some question marks with her like backstory and everything like it seems like she's, she's the daughter of an admiral or whatever yeah she's been around there so she, it just it, seems so random for her it's to be plausible there. that she could know iceman i mean his pictures up on the wall and everything around sure there, so, sure yeah I just was like confused. It didn't really seem like there was like this. I mean, yes, I understand that there is a connection back there. And and she's just there because like, I mean, she was on set that day, right? When they shot yeah. it. So she was there probably. Um, but it didn't really seem like they didn't make anything of it. Didn't happen anything. Didn't really make sense to me that she was there at this like naval funeral. I mean, again, she has a connection or whatever, but um, it's not really connected in any other way. Um, my, the course of the my, film. my other favorite moment was just a line. Um, which is, it's what my dad would have done. That's uh, that's the line that's gonna wipe people out of it. You think so? I was underwhelmed by that line. Really? I thought it was like a pretty flat reason to be like, yeah, I didn't save you because I wanted to. It's because my, it's what my dad would have done. I don't know. It, it... Well, I don't think that's what he was saying, but yeah. Maybe I maybe I misinterpreted the line. I just thought it was like a sort of a backhanded way to like say yeah, I did it. I didn't do it because I wanted to. I did it because that's what my dad would have done. I know, that's but it, how, I know that that doesn't line up it. with the rest yeah. of it. It just seemed weird to me. Um, but yeah, you're probably right though about it wiping people out. That's probably one. Um, for me, there's always something about a build-up scene that really that really gets me. Um, the, my favorite scene was probably the one where they're taking off from the from the aircraft carrier um right at the start of the final act of the movie uh right after maverick speaks very briefly to like cyclone or not cyclone warlock the other guy not ton ham's character um the other one below deck and the guy tells him you know he's where he belongs and stuff and then they have all these airplanes taking off like they go through the they go through all like the mission um control stuff like they're ready for takeoff clearing everything he has the conversation with with rooster and um and hondo and then they sort of take off and there's something about like the build there with the score and i'm just like let's go um we're going on a mission and so yeah that was uh that's probably my favorite scene because i mean it'd be really easy to say that just like you know when rooster hits the missile blind or whatever and uh makes the shot then that, that's but like i don't know it's a little more interesting than that i think so yeah all right scott out of 10 what are you giving top gun maverick 9.0 it is going to be very hard to find a blockbuster better than this one this year yeah i mean absolutely i'm even even higher at a 9.9.2 but we share our sentiments i think better or worse mission possible fallout 
Fallout's better. Yeah, right. I think that's right. I think that's right, but this one also rocks. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what else is there to say? Go watch this movie. It's an absolutely great time. I really do think it's the kind of movie that, unless you're just really not into like action movies, like you're going to enjoy it. I mean, this film's just got it. It has it has the X factor, um, in my opinion. And if you happen to also be a fan of the original, if you're a fan of the original, there there's nothing to dislike about this movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's literally nothing, nothing to dislike about it. So that's my that's my two cents at least. And that will do it for our discussion of Top Gun Maverick. Let's take a short break. When we return, we've got some news to discuss. As mentioned, we'll be talking about the next Tom Cruise project uh, with a trailer coming out for Mission Impossible. What, what is Dead it? Reckoning. Dead Reckoning Part 1. Yes, that's what it is. Yes. Uh, but then also the Cannes Film Festival happens. So we'll be talking about that as well. We'll be right back. Welcome back for part two of today's episode of Some Like It's Got. We can just keep the Tom Cruise train rolling here with uh, our thoughts on the Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part one trailer. It's been a while since we even talked about a trailer on the podcast, Scott, because I'm just so vehemently anti-trailer. Um, but I'm pretty sure I knew all the set pieces in this movie before the trailer just because everyone, like what Tom, like what stupid thing Tom Cruise is doing to get himself killed is newsworthy. And so you just hear about it if you follow media and entertainment news. So I didn't really care too much about seeing the trailer for this one just because I feel like I have it, I already have it spoiled for me. But Scott, this trailer is just, I mean, Rebecca Ferguson has an eye patch and is sword fighting. Has a sword. Yeah. <laughs> is sword fighting with the villain in this movie played by Isai, Mor- is it Morales? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which is originally going to be, um, oh gosh. Oh my gosh. Who was the villain originally going to be in this movie? Nicholas Holt. Yeah. The yeah. villain was... Can you imagine if Rebecca Ferguson was sword fighting Nicholas Holt? Oh, mm. my God. That would just been something. I mean, I assume that they changed the character because Nicholas Holt and yeah. Isai Morales, not exactly um, similar actors, I'd yeah. say. But uh, I just, I can't, I can't. I mean, that, that, and then, of course, you know, Tom Cruise driving off a cliff, uh, which we knew about already. They take a train, an actual train, and have it run off an actual bridge. In this movie as well. Um, just nuts, Scott. Just another nuts Tom Cruise outing. It's exactly what I think I want from the next Mission Impossible movie. Um, what is there left to say about Mission Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible movies? I mean, this, this, they are truly doing what Fast and Fur- Furious is doing without even trying to. Like, you know, Fast and Furious is so on the nose about, oh, family. We're making our movies about family. Uh this like they've kind of done that with mission impossible now and like they were we're adding in a new person right we're adding in a Haley atwell now who it appears yeah. is going to be a um the daughter you know, sidekick of... of some sort well i don't know that it's li- literally going to be uh oh right it is it's the daughter it's the of daughter max, of max right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh i forgot that that was so yeah even doubly so um yeah. what is back in. the Family's back again. I mean, Benji's back. Luther's back. You know, yeah. we have uh, Il- Ilsa back, like you mentioned. Vanessa Kirby is going to be back. We don't know exactly what her 
what side she's going to be on, but like I think they're probably going to try to make her good in this movie. Um, but now I'm second guessing myself. Isn't Haley Atwell's character is not Max's daughter? It's Vanessa Kirby's Max's daughter. Yeah, yeah, so we yeah, don't, yeah. We don't okay. know who. We don't know who who uh, who Haley, Haley Atwell's Atwell. character yeah. is yet. Anyway, though, uh, but it seems like uh, the White Widow, which was um, Vanessa Kirby's character, is going to like come to the good side now. So they're building out the family. We're getting new characters every single movie. Um, in addition to, of course, the incredible action. So. Um, all the more reason for Fast and Furious to just like pack it up and call it quits. Like they're over here having so many issues just trying to get the film made. Um, whereas Mission Impossible is cooking right along and has people, you know, thrilled for for the trailer. So yeah, I mean the last shot of the trailer too of of you know him parachuting into the abyss is uh, is pretty epic. So. Um, it's going to be an awesome movie. I have literally no reason to believe it's not. Like, I guess the real question, Scott, is will it beat Halo jumping in the last movie? And will the train sequence beat the helicopter? <laughs> yeah, at some point, they probably will run out of ideas, but I don't know if they're there yet. I mean, Tom Cruise. He's not going to stop, Scott. He's going to stop when he dies. Yeah, So he'll keep thinking up stupid stuff to do. Um, and we'll keep eating it up. I guess, because, you know, what else is there to do with Tom Cruise in an action movie? All right. The Cannes Film Festival also happened over the last couple weeks, week and a half. It's been it's it's been going on for a while. Scott, what are the highlights that you want to talk about? Yeah. Um, so the winners of the festival were named, which I think is probably a good place to start um, winning the Palm Door. And what I, I think was a little bit of a surprise um, was this film Triangle of Sadness. Yep. directed by Ruben Ostland, um, who previously won the Palme d'Or several years ago for his film The Square, uh, which I think also won the Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film in that year. Um, but uh, he's probably most known for Force Majeure, which was kind of his breakthrough movie back in, I think, 2013. Um, that was later remade um, in the U.S. with like Will Ferrell. Is I don't even remember what the name, is that the name, of, the name of the movie. Is it, was that what it was called? Yeah, I, I think, think you're right. Yeah. Uh, basically, it's it's a, it's the famous like um, it went around on Twitter. It got memed because people thought it was like a real video. But it's the movie that has the scene where the husband abandons his family, runs away from his family while they're like on holiday at a resort as an avalanche starts approaching. Um, but Force Majeure is a really good movie. I recommend um, watching it. it. It The whole thing turns into a kind of moral and philosophical conversation about the husband's decision to do this, um, which uh, is, is fascinating to watch. I haven't seen any of his other films. The response for Triangle of Sadness, which uh, stars Harris Dickinson and Woody Harrelson, um, it was a little mixed. Um, so that's why I say I was a little bit surprised um, to see it win. But again, Oastland obviously carries some weight having won the Palme d'Or before. Um, Scott, the film that I think people maybe thought would win was uh, Decision to Leave, which is uh, the new film by Park Chan-wook of old boy fame. Um, he uh, ended up winning the Best Director Prize um, at the, the Cannes Film Festival, but Decision to Leave did not win um, for, did not win the Palme d'Or for Best film, but in spite of that, like I was saying, maybe had the most consistently good reviews of any movie um, that played at the festival. So um, 
Yeah. So decision to leave is definitely one I'm excited for. It was been, it's been described as like a romantic police procedural, which sounds very much. It's so Park alley. Chan Wook. I mean, it's just awesome. I mean, his movies are so cool. Yeah, he's a very good director. You know, obviously, The Handmaiden is a great film as well. Um, old boy. Old boy. Yeah. Right. Like like I mentioned, is probably his most famous um, sorry, film, yeah. but. Yeah, I mean, outside of Bong Joon-ho, he's definitely the most notable Korean director. Um, but yeah, so Decision to Leave, definitely one we'll be looking out for. Um, Scott, it did not win an award, but Armageddon Time, which is James Gray's new film, also... Was it in debuted. competition for awards? It was, because it was. Uh, it was also it also had a little bit of a chance to win the Palme d'Or from what I was looking at. But um, again... Pretty much positive reviews. Um, the movie stars Anne Hathaway and who's the male lead? Uh, Jeremy Strong. Jeremy Strong, yeah. Um, and it's kind of a coming of age film, from what I understand, um, which you know means I'm looking forward to it. Um, it had mostly positive reviews. Again, people weren't like freaking out about it really, um, but I mean, I think it's going to be if you're a James Gray fan, I imagine. It's, yeah, uh, it doesn't. It's going to scratch the edge for you but, i mean that's the thing i feel like we're at a point where we know james gray well enough where like no one unless you're a james gray fan you're not going to freak out about a james gray movie yeah it's just such a particular kind of movie um but if you're a fan of things like ad astra and lost city of z then lost city of d yeah i always forget yeah yeah yeah. and the immigrant yeah yeah then we on the night it seems like you're going to be in for another james gray special you know this year when it comes out that's the impression I got, at least. Sure, yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, acting awards, Scott Song Kang-ho um, won Best Actor for Broker, which um, is Korea. another film I'm very, very excited for. It's the new movie from Hirokazu Koreeda um, and also had very good reviews coming out of uh, the festival. Um, Zaramir Ibrahimi for one Best Actress for Holy Spider. I'm not really familiar with her or with um, that particular film, I think some people um, thought that Margaret Qualley might have a chance um, for Best Actress. She um, Holy Spider is the one about is, the is Islam, right? The Iranian. It's an Iranian movie, or it's about okay. Iran, I think. Okay. Um, well, I'll keep an eye out for it certainly. But yeah, some people thought Margaret Qualley might have a chance. She's in um, Stars at Noon, which it was the Claire Denis movie, um, the second. Actually, second movie from Claire Denis this year. Um, but that movie got some negative reviews. It had some people liked it, um, but it also had some pretty negative reviews um, and was a little bit more divisive, it seems like, than some of the other movies. So that may have hurt uh, Margaret Qualley's chances um, to, to win for that film. Um, and then Scott, one that I was interested to see um, and, and happy to see this award, the Camera de Dior, which um, is for best first film, um, was uh, presented to uh, Gina Gamble and Riley Keough, who are the co-directors of a film called War Pony, uh, which debuted at the festival to pretty good reviews. Of course, Riley Keough, someone I'm a big fan of as an actress, um, and we're gonna see her making her directorial debut um, with this movie. Um, so, uh, it was, it was great to see that getting some recognition as well. Um, Elvis was another movie that premiered at the film festival, didn't win any awards, unsurprisingly. Um, it sounds like the, you know, general consensus on the movie is it's a, 
like we we're saying about about James Gray with uh, Armageddon Time, it's a Baz Luhrmann movie, right? And you know what you're going to get. You probably know what you're going to get just from watching the trailer. Um, Do you? He doesn't mash up toxic yeah, with an Elvis yeah, song that, in the trailer. That's true, but it's still like you know an incredibly over the top and like garish trailer, which is what you expect. From Tom Hanks certainly. Yeah, Baz Luhrmann. Um, so he's going to win a know, Razzie. He's going to win a Razzie for that performance. Yeah, I mean, Baz has his defenders out there. I'm certainly not one of them. I certainly have zero anticipation for Elvis and nothing that I saw in the reviews um, changed my mind about, you know, it's also excited for this film. It moment. is actually three hours long, unlike Jurassic, Jurassic World, which you keep blaming is three hours long. But it's going to feel like it's three hours long, I'm sure. Um, well, then Elvis is going to feel four hours long, unfortunately. It probably so. Probably so. Because... Because the thing about Baz Luhrmann is he will exhaust you in within like the first forty minutes of the movie, and you'll just be like you'll have nothing left. But I mean, um, that's the thing with even even with something like Great Gatsby, which is an incredible an incredible novel, he managed to cast incredible actors with Elizabeth Debicki and Leonardo DiCaprio, and the film is still an abomination. It's not good. It's not good at all. Um, Come on, man! What are you doing? And, any other films, Scott, that I didn't mention there? I think those were kind of the highlights mainly of the festival. I mean, there's Cronenberg's um, movie, which... Of course, yeah, Crimes of the Future, which comes out yeah. this week. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, when you'll be hearing this episode, it comes out this coming weekend. Um, pretty good reviews. Um, not, again, not people freaking out about it, like maybe I would have hoped for, but it's still a small sample size at this point from from can um it does seem like you know it's going to be authentically cronenberg body horror film so um i have my ticket for saturday can't wait the other uh, one three thousand years of longing george miller's movie yeah um which i heard good things about as well yeah it but, seems very george miller it's very it's very big which i think is george miller's thing yeah the States. trailer is pretty wild is a pretty wild trailer but um it, yeah. you know this is going to be one of those movies like you can't believe a studio gave him money to it's it's a blank check movie basically um Definitely. so that will be cool to see he bargained with but, warner brothers to uh I'll, I'll give you furiosa if you give me yeah um if you give me three thousand years of longing or whatever um the only thing about holy spider so just because i wanted to get this right so yeah so it is an it is a Persian film, which I believe is Iran. Um, interesting. It is a Persian language crime thriller directed by Ali Abbasi. And the film is about a serial killer. It's based on a true story of a serial killer who targeted sex workers and killed 16 women um, in Iran in, in 2000 and 2001. Oh, okay. Ali Abbasi is the director of Border. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So the film it depicts a journalist, a female journalist, who I believe is the person who won Best Actress, um, investigating a serial killer who's played by Mehdi Bejistani. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, I know it, it's a bit controversial, I think, in Iran, but it did receive pretty strong reviews. What is I, think. I can. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't. Well, that's... This might be a Netflix movie. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. I need to look into this a little bit more. I, I think it might be. I could also be wrong about that. But that's the general general wrap-up, you know, uh, Triangle of Sadness. I mean, it wasn't really a movie that was on my radar, but like I, it's safe to say it is now after winning the Palme d'Or. You know, I quite enjoyed the Palme d'Or winner from last year, which was Titan. 
Um, so, uh, you know, uh, even though the reviews are a bit mixed, of course, I want to check it out and see if it earned the hype or if I feel like, you know, a yeah. broker or decision to leave or Armageddon time, like, got robbed. The Palm d'Or can be a bit, um, yeah, weird sometimes. I know what you mean. Yeah, somebody yeah. was posting the list the other day and they're like, there weren't there weren't even really that good many good movies in there for like the last 10 years but again i think i don't know that i necessarily would agree with that like i think they were kind of trying to criticize titan which i i enjoyed you know parasite obviously won the palm door yeah i mean coriata won shoplifters one right yeah um which i haven't seen yet but i think i would really like so um were they taking shots at like blue is the warmest color and well definitely that yes (laughs) um and like uh i daniel blake or whatever that one was i was like i was looking at the list right yeah the ken loach movie and and um you know the square was in there which was uh, again ruben oslin's other movie and um cemetery of splendor i want to say but i don't think people hated on that one was that cemetery uh, of splendor we're a safe list i haven't even heard of that movie i don't think that's on the list okay for some reason i thought maybe they were saying that Cemetery of Splendor got beat out by something that it shouldn't have gotten oh, beat out. Okay. But that was where Save the Coles previous yeah. movie before Memoria. I mm, so. Yeah, I mean, there's Uncle Boon Me, but that was 2010. That was older, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, it can be a little weird, sure. Um, but I think, uh, but Triangle of Sadness, also, I didn't mention this, is also a neon movie. So, like, with Parasite and um, right. Titan, the neon is really, like, grabbed hold on the, the palm door. Scott, that should do it for episode of 192. Any thoughts to leave us with today? Uh, Congratulations on your appointment to the U.S. Navy, by the way. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And also the Tennessee Volunteers. um, They won the SEC in tennis. They won the SEC in soccer. They won the SEC in basketball. And now they've won the SEC in baseball. They're the dominant number one team and uh, will be entering uh, the NCAA tournament as the favorite to win the whole College World Series. So I'm very excited. It's a great time to be a Tennessee ball. Yeah, spring sports, man. Everybody's watching them. Also, um, uh, for, on, for both Scott and I, congratulations to our alma mater, uh, Macaulay, which won the state championship in baseball very thrilling game they scored like four or five runs in the bottom of the ninth to wow um, come back and win in the state championship so congrats to the blue tornado yeah and then my other alma mater uh, has a women's tennis player in the finals of the ncaa individual tournament today hey there we go that's exciting she actually is the defending champion too she won last year so cool um be cool if she can repeat that but that's enough sports talk uh thank you for joining our sports corner at the end of the episode where can people find you on the socials scott at Scarvey Dent. You can find me at, at Shelton2013 on Twitter, Letterboxd, Serialized, at all. Don't forget to also check out our podcast Patreon at www.patreon.com slash mediaplugpods. If you can support us over there, that'd be great. We'd really appreciate it. But if not, that's okay. You can still find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to your podcast, where we'd love it if you rated, reviewed, subscribed, shared, all that jazz so that we continue to reach a broader audience. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us chat about Top Gun Maverick. We'll be back next week with a review of that aforementioned David Cronenberg film, his next one, the body horror film Crimes of the Future. We hope you'll join us for that. But until then, for Scott Harvey, I'm Scott Shelton. We'll see you next time. See you down the road.